0: Hi, can I help you find something? Librarians specialize in helping you find what you were looking for, and sometimes what you didn't know you were looking for. Thank you for joining me as I talk to my guests about all things library, including the books inside them. I'm Julie Chavez, and this is Ask a Librarian. New York Times best-selling author Kim Michelle Richardson has written five works of historical fiction and a best-selling memoir, The Unbreakable Child. In addition to earning multiple awards and accolades, the book Woman of Troublesome Creek was recommended by Dolly Parton in People magazine. It was inspired by the real life, remarkable blue people of Kentucky and the fierce, brave pack horse librarians who used the power of literacy to overcome bigotry and fear during the Great Depression. The novel is taught widely in high schools and college classrooms. The Bookwoman's Daughter was published on May 3rd and is both a standalone and a sequel to The Bookwoman of Troublesome Creek. Kim Michelle lives with her family in Kentucky and is the founder of Shy Rabbit. Here is my conversation with Kim Michelle. I'm so glad to talk to you today about your book. We're talking about the new one, but I had not read the book Woman of Troublesome Creek, so we'll get to that in just a minute. But I wanted to talk a little bit about you. I know that you in kind of prepping for this, I was learning about your life, and I know that you're married and that you also have a legal degree. Is that right? Yes. I
1: did a fast track through college and uh, was one of the first paralegals in my state. So yes, I do. And law fascinates me, and I'm surrounded by law, been surrounded by law my whole life, pretty much. So it's something I really wanted, really wanted to be a lawyer, but uh I had just come out of being homeless and and so many other things, so I just had to survive at that point, try to mm-hmm. get something behind me. But I did pass that down that once to my daughter, who went to law school, and she's a lawyer.
0: There you go. I love it. Get Send her on that track. Well, I feel like a lot of your legal knowledge comes through, especially in the book Woman's Daughter, so we'll get to that. But let's start with a fun question. Tell me about some of your first dates with your husband.
1: Well, my husband, Mr. and I, have been married 33 years come next week. Ah, and congratulations. All of our first dates and pretty much all the dates uh, revolved about around bookstores and books, you know, and I don't think he was really happy about that, either having to start the, you know, the date at the beginning of a bookstore or, (laughs) but it's, but he did, he went along with it, and I'd spend, he'd try to hurry me up to get to our dinner time and so forth, but I'd be in the book section, and he'd just wandering around, because he he wants to get to dinner and our date. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> that is that's a sign of true love though right
1: there right just oh absolutely and oh my goodness so I took him to my favorite little bookstore and anyways it, it's long gone but it was in my neighborhood because and we get out of the car and there I probably shouldn't mention this but I will as this was gonna ha- how be how crazy our days was gonna be with books There's a woman streaking in the parking lot (laughs) with books, with books, just like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) So I had to beg him to take me back again the next time. Please, I just have to stop at the bookstore a minute, you
0: know. (laughs) Did you reference it and say, you know, the one where the woman was streaking? (laughs) That's incredible, with books. Yes, yes. And I don't
1: know why, I I really couldn't. Julie, I couldn't afford books at all, and, Okay. but I, I would just want to be in there looking at all the covers. Once in a great while, every couple of months, you know, I'd save money and I'd, I'd pick one up, but I, it just, yeah, I guess I, this was the closest I could be to my books unless I went to my library, but you know, just to look at all those and everything. Yes. So I dragged him along to so many bookstores. He'd want to go do something fun and exciting. I'd go, let's go to the storytelling festival. <laughs> you know, I want to go there. Uh, now, is he a reader? He He's not a reader, but he reads all my work and he helps me. He's my spelling check and my math Oh, yeah, he saves me on my math. (laughs) (laughs) And because there's a lot of math going on in books, ages and so forth. And, you know, yeah, you're right. And and, uh, he loves to read those. He's like a big newspaper reader and he Mm -hmm. likes autobiographies of, you know, things like that.
0: Well, it sounds like you trained him early, though.
1: (laughs) I (laughs) did. (laughs)
0: it's important. And I will say Mondo, my husband, it's very similar. He's more of kind of a hostage in the situation where I take him (laughs) to bookstores all the time and he just is not a huge, he's, I don't think too, I think what you're describing is something that I really resonate with, which is just, I feel comforted by books. Bookstores just feel like a safe happy place, looking at the covers, even if I don't buy a thing. So I really relate to that. Yeah, He he does not feel that way about the books. He doesn't have those wonderful feelings, but he will happily trail along. So those are some good men we've got. Yes, definitely. (laughs) Absolutely. I love that you started out that way. I wanted to talk to you a little bit. Okay. So if we can talk about how did you originally get into writing, and then we'll talk about your books a little bit.
1: Well, I always, when I was little, would write poems. I I grew up in an orphanage my first 10 years, and I was always writing little poems or songs, and I would send them to like Walt Disney and (laughs) Queen (laughs) Elizabeth. Of course, they didn't go anywhere but the trips, because I didn't even know what a stamp was. But I'd uh, ask the the sister, please, the nun, please. Mm -hmm. They were going in the trash left and right, but also wanting them to adopt me. And so I'd write these really pretty stories and songs and stuff. But yeah, so I think it's always kind of been there in my bones to write.
0: Mm. Well, I'm so glad that you are a writer. You have a tremendous gift with words. And I was reading one of your previous interviews about writing, and you said something really profound, which was that fear arrests the story.
1: Absolutely. When you're writing, you know, you have to turn off the outside noise and just, I think, write from your heart. And soul, and not write for anybody else, but yourself, mm. you know, yes. and you cannot have that noise. The only noise I want is some really loud music when I'm writing. You write with loud music? I write with very loud music, Emma. My music goes all across the board. I can go with country, rock, jazz, classical, indie, hip-hop, and beyond. I just I just don't, it's like my favorite genres of books. There are done. It's just, I have very loud music. And, and then when I'm editing, it's really quiet. It has to be very, very quiet.
0: That is fascinating. I am going to be thinking about that. I think trying to write with loud music would make me Stroke out. That's incredible. I, I love that you can do
1: that. Well, and I picked the music off of maybe a scene I'm I'm writing about, and so forth. And by the way, we have a, a lovely right singer, Ruby Friedman, and her orchestra that had made us some created some killer songs for both Bookwoman and Bookwoman's Daughter. Wow, where can we find those? You can find those on my website and on. YouTube on my uh, author Facebook page. That her the song her song just dropped Monday, and uh, it's just it just speaks to the people of Kentucky.
0: Mm. I will be looking that up. I'm putting that on my to do list for today. Just write that down right here. Uh, that's perfect. I think speaking of the people of Kentucky, when I was reading both. So I read Book Woman of Troublesome Creek, and then I read The Book Woman's Daughter, which is out May 3rd. And the thing I kept thinking about when I was reading it is that, and tell me if this is correct. I feel like the Kentucky people are similar to the way that you characterize the land, which is hard and tough, but so good. Exactly. Yes,
1: it is. Uh, you know, the land itself is almost a character, yeah. you know, and mm-hmm. so diverse and rich, brutal and beautiful. So, yes,
0: I uh, have done that. That's very well said. How did you get started writing about the book women? The Pack Horse
1: Hot yes. Library in Kentucky? Well, it was, you know, this book sold actually in 2017. And it's Batten. and I wrote it now almost eight years ago, and it was so interesting because they were just but a blip in history. The Pack Horse Librarians, uh, that program started in actually in 1913 when the Kentucky Federation of Women's Club convinced a local wealthy coal baron to fund it. Mm-hmm. Well, the, he agreed, you know, to send the women up in the hills to spread literacy and, and give empowerment. But he died a year later. It would be 20 years later when the Kentucky Federation went back to Roosevelt's people, with the WPA, work and say, hey, we have this program. We'd love to do it again. He said, yes, we need to give you all money. You know, yeah. pay those librarians $28 a month to ride those books up into the hills. Now, what was so fascinating, Julie, he said, but I won't give you any books. No mounts, horses or mules, and no place to house those books. And they had to do this. This was Kentucky's, Eastern Kentucky's most violent era during the uh, bloody coal mine wars. So they had to, they were suffering their own pandemics, influenza, poverty, prejudice, treacherous landscapes, mistrust, and isolation, and doing it all during the Depression and those coal mine wars. So, and it grew and it became one of the most beloved programs.
0: It's really tremendous that they were able to do that in spite of. All of that. And also, thanks for the money, but you're not giving us any resources. Fantastic.
1: I know. It's like, yeah, $28, you ride those 100 miles a week in sleet, snow, but you can't have the books. Well, they immediately sent out a cry to rich librarians in other states and, and women's clubs and Boy Scouts and said, send us your books. Send us any. And they did. They sent them their cast off born books and then the librarians started making scrapbooks and when they didn't have the books they would sit and make these scrapbooks and they would put in magazine clippings and little stories and write little prayers and poems and things themselves and they would get tips you know give tips on how to do this or that and tips for knitting or patterns so it became you know they got those books and they made
0: their own. There, just reading the books gave me such an appreciation for the fortitude and, I mean, just the resourcefulness of these women that they were so focused. And like you said, even listening about the scrapbooks, I just thought about they really made something out of nothing. They did. That's they incredible
1: did. and like I said, they were hard workers. they did this in rain, sleet, snow, and nothing stopped the book woman and the few
0: male librarians that they had. I really love hearing about that. It also makes me realize what a baby I am and how I wouldn't have survived in any <laughs> sort of sort of situation like that.
1: Oh yes you do. You just have to think, where did their courage come from? And yes. It's, just, it's every day I wake up and feel so privileged to have written their story. It's just so humbling. Hmm. Well, you did such a and, good job with it. And and Julie, it's, I've met the children and relatives of the Pack Horse librarians, and it's just so amazing to talk to them and hear their stories um, one woman contacted me, and we talked about her mother. She passed, and she was a Pike librarian. She passed in 2013, one of the last ones. And when she started the program, she was only, her name was Irene Crisp, and she was only 15 years old. Now, she had to start, she had to get a job because her mother and eight siblings, oh, she had to help support them. Her mother was in bed with TB. Mm. So little Irene, 15-year-old Irene, the supervisor says, you can go and deliver all these books. You're going to go here, there. and I don't want you to deliver books to this one house. You are forbidden to deliver books. Well, can you tell a 15-year-old of any generation what to do? And there she went. And it was a small brothel up in them hills.
0: <laughs> Just- <laughs> Yes, yes, she and she got those women the books they wanted. Give us your short description, if you will, of what is the bookwoman's daughter about, since that's the latest title.
1: Well, the bookwoman's daughter takes off 12 years after the Bookwoman of Troublesome Creek. Mm-hmm. So in it we showcase remarkable women along with a 16-year-old honey, Cussie Mary's daughter. And we showcase the women, the remarkable women, doing very different jobs. And this is the 1950s, and women and children were ruled under the ironclad patriarchal law.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so we have a little honey coming in, taking over her mother's route because of some bad things that are going on. And we meet a female coal miner and a frontier nursing horse rider. Those were the nurses that were doing the same as the Pike Horse Librarian. Yes. And then we need a female fire look. So that was really fun. I got uh, it's I got to speak with a female, you know, an interview, a female coal miner. And she's working. She's in her late 20s. And she's working the mines. But she worked the mines alongside her mother long ago, too.
0: Wow. And
1: uh, up until her mother died, passed. And she, in fact, was, what, 1,200 feet below and nine months pregnant. And, yes, working those that hard job. And the men were terrified, you know, to have her down there because she was so far down and she could deliver, you know, at any time. But Kentucky had such rich projects. We had the moonlight schools that we initiated here the Frontier Nursing Service, the Pike Horse Librarians, and it's so many things. And we also have a female fire lookout that I was inspired by because we had those around the country. But I also have read the history of Haley Daggett, one of the first fire tower lookouts
0: in the nation. I really enjoyed reading about that because I didn't even know that a fire tower lookout was a thing. I had never heard of that before.
1: Yes, you know, and actually truly you can actually places around the country. Of course, we're now with technology with storms, you know. Right. They were out for storms, they could report weather, everything and so on as I've said all in the book. But so a lot of them are no longer in use. However, they are you go into the the forestry division online and you can find many of them can be rented out for vacation rentals. Wow. just beautiful spots all around the country. I bet those have stunning views. You know, so say you needed to finish some work, you're going to finish it up there all alone. Uh, That is an excellent
0: place for distraction-free. A great vacation rental, you know. I'm going to put that on my list. I'll put it on my to-do list of things to do today. Book vacation to Fire Tower Lookout without family.
1: Just go under the Forest Registry, the National Forest Registry, and and look under Lookouts.
0: What a great idea. I'm a huge fan of Mr. Rogers. And so, you know, there is such, there are tough topics in here, but I'm always looking for the helpers. And your books have that sort of spirit to them where there are tough, sad, really wrong things that happen, but you also see the grace and kindness of these helpers and the other people that are in their world and their tremendous resilience as a result of that. So it's it's really inspiring.
1: Well, and I think my Kentucky history and these librarians and the women, you know, it's the helpers, I've always said are the librarians. There are literary soldiers of the world, community treasures. They're peace officers, babysitters, therapists, teachers, and more, you know. Yeah. They do, you know, difficult jobs every day. They're helping people seek jobs, filling out applications, navigating government bureaucracy. Oh, they're just doing so much uh, with their rich programs. They design to try to bring in more people and help. So it's inspiring, did you have a question for me today? Well, since we're talking about the Pack Horse Librarians, I do. Oh, yay. What books would you most likely give away if
0: you were a Pack Horse Librarian? That is an excellent question. Now, Julie, you can get back with me. <laughs> okay. That actually that makes me feel better. I started to feel a little sweaty. I thought, okay, this is really there's a lot of pressure here. Uh-huh. I I can think of a few though that would probably be my go-tos if we're talking I mean this would be modern though, right? If you'd like it. If okay. You'd like- Oh, I can do either. This is exciting. Okay, well, I'll have to go back. Yes, my further lists will require more research. But I think, I mean, obviously, I'd put the book Woman of Troublesome Creek in there. It just feels so true to life, right? But I would, I would include these books. I love the stories. I think I would include probably there's a great book called How Things Work. And it's a big, fat volume. And I'm always trying to push it on the kids at the elementary school because. It has everything in there, scanners, lasers, all sorts of technological inventions, and it has short, good descriptions of how they actually work. And I feel like things like that are so edifying, and I think that really sparks, especially for kids, it can spark their creativity and spark this idea that things things have a history behind them. And then Mm -hmm. that kind of gives them that idea that, oh, I could do that, or reading about inventions. So I think it would probably include How Things Work, maybe a few more of those sorts of books. And like I'm thinking of one called Six Dots about Louis Braille and the development of the Braille alphabet Uh and things like that that would... I think they would probably be mostly stories like that. That's why I would include Book Woman and Book Woman's Daughter, because I think resilience is one of my favorite things to read about. Resilience and redemption are my two right. themes in books. So I think it would be a lot of those books. Oh, those are wonderful. Yes. Wow. Oh, but that does feel like choosing my favorite child. <laughs> That's a challenging question.
1: Yeah. It's, it's always hard to do that because there's just so many
0: yes. out there. All oh, that books empower, they inspire, and it's just so important. Yes. Oh, and now I'm even thinking I would also have to include some funny books. Yeah. I would love to laugh. Oh, yes. Yes. So yes, ridiculousness would definitely be included. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, so one final question for you. What are your I, and this is kind of a big one, so it can be your answer can be small or big. But what are your hopes for Book Woman's Daughter? I mean, you're following up Book Woman of Troublesome Creek, which was very uh, highly lauded and awarded. What what's your hope for Book Woman's Daughter? What would you like to see it do in the world? Well, I hope you know. I think it
1: just again, these books will probably mirror what's going on in today's world, and it's. Yes. It shows us how much far we've gone and how much further we need to go, especially with, you know, women and so forth. So I hope that resonates with people and inspires the strength of these women, you know, the female high course librarian, the female co-miner, the nurse writer, and the fire lookout. So we're, and then, yeah, we've got some other little characters, like a young child named Rena. Mm -hmm. and rena's pretty powerful too to be a child she's She's, a wild yes tremendously powerful she's wilded and but she has this old soul you know that comes from living a life that you know she needs to grow up really fast so i think there's a lot of discussion that's in
0: there and hopefully it's also inspiring I love that. Thank you. I think it's, I love that that was your answer because one of the passages I marked, one line that really stood out to me, though it rarely happens fast enough and not near as quick as it should, honey, I expect like all ugly laws, change will come.
1: Yes, ma'am. Yes. So
0: I think that the spirit that you're talking about and the idea that people will be able to use it for discussion and just... Maybe this sort of reflection that leads to kindness, so yes. i I think that I think that it has every opportunity to do it because you've done a tremendous job,
1: oh, thank you. I'm so honored. it's thats just means the world to me, you know, it really, really does because, you know, on a good day, it's even as a Kentuckian, it's hard to write Kentucky and explain it much less, you know, to people not in Kentucky.
0: Yes. So I'm glad that resonated with you, Julie. Thank you. It indeed did. Thanks so much for being with me today. Oh, thank you for having
1: me. I really enjoyed our discussion. I feel like we could go on all day.
0: I think we could. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Ask a Librarian. As always, it's my joy to share and learn with you. You can follow me on Instagram at Julie Writes Words. Or you can go to my website, JulieWritesWords.com. There you'll find the show notes, including all the books mentioned in the episode. See you in the stacks next week. And until then, friends, never go anywhere without a book.